According to a recent report by the United Kingdom Government Office for Science, at current rates, the amount of ocean plastic is expected to triple within the next decade. You're listening to Cooler Earth, a podcast of climate exchange. Your weekly dive into energy transitions, sustainability, environmental politics, and all things climate change. Each week, we feature special guests and in-depth discussions with your hosts, Amanda Griffiths, Ryan Maya, and Maria Virginia Olano. The ocean is this huge carbon sink, basically mitigating the impacts of climate change, we think, at this point. So now we're starting to see the impacts of climate change on the ocean and whether that is coral bleaching or even shellfish, where the shells, because they're basic, they can't actually form because the ocean is becoming more acidic because it's taking on more and more carbon. So we're starting to see those little differences with acidity, but then you're also seeing glaciers melting and that's putting fresh water into the ocean, which is throwing off our global ocean currents, which is basically what's making global weather patterns work. So that's why Mm -hmm. you don't see Great Britain getting as much snow as New England. It's all ocean currents. So, Mm -hmm. And and the thing about the oceans is that they have regulated Mm -hmm. the systems that live on Earth and even sustained our livelihoods, whether Mm -hmm. that is through food supply and fishing or the control of, yeah, weather and climate patterns that are now kind of out of whack. They are, yeah. And I mean, you see like little differences even with an El Nino or La Nina year. And if that can throw off or change the way we're experiencing our weather, think about the magnitude and scale of if larger ocean currents get thrown off. And we don't even quite, to my knowledge, understand exactly what would be happening with what the fullest extent of that is. And there was the the Day After Tomorrow movie from the early 2000s (laughs) with like Dennis Quaid and Jake Gyllenhaal, where they go off the concept of like, what if, you know, our ocean currents get thrown out of whack? And obviously that is a dramatization of what will happen, but it shows the fear of the magnitude and impact of what could possibly happen. But the other issue though is that like on land it's easier to see when crops Mm. are failing land is eroding where we don't have water fresh water to drink when it comes to the oceans it is massive unknown we Mm. haven't even explored the bottom of our seas and oceans as much as the moon which is crazy to me right and so in that sense it took a longer time to figure out what the effects of climate change were on the oceans i think only what a couple decades back right uh, not even we started getting the full picture of rising ocean temperatures Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and now we're starting to track it too with migration patterns where we're finding fish or even sharks we're getting more reports of sharks off of cape cod every summer and it's just all changing temperatures in the ocean so i actually grew up diving my whole life with my Mm -hmm. family and something my parents always used to tell me as a kid is that people who never dive miss out on 70 percent of this earth that we live in and that is that's really true and it's crazy because not even me, who is, who is an experienced diver, has seen everything and all the beauty that the ocean has to experience. Mm-hmm. But even then, with a span of, what, 10 years of diving mm-hmm. in the same spot, I got to see firsthand the effect of coral bleaching. Coral reefs that we used to go to as kids and were just full of turtles and fish and corals 
were literally kind of graveyards a couple of of years after. And Mm -hmm. at the time, to be completely honest, we didn't understand what was going on. We just kind of moved on and went a little further into sea and found a different coral reef. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until we started studying things and we started seeing species of fish that were never seen before in the Caribbean, more sharks Mm -hmm. as well. And it was really exciting because it was amazing. But at the same time, why are they here? So that kind of raised a lot of questions and at least in my mind, put the spotlight of of this crisis the oceans are going through. Yeah. So those are some effects we've seen in the ocean. There have definitely also been effects we've seen on land though. This, yeah. this winter we saw a huge Arctic storm hit Europe, Rome getting coated yeah. with snow. Yeah. And that's Paris. really uh, a yeah. result of these changes in this shifting of heat on the earth. And mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with the ocean getting warmer. Uh, circulation patterns changing. Mm -hmm. We'll definitely see wackier temperatures in Europe. We'll see more Mm -hmm. of these crazy and horrific winter storms happening if this continues. Definitely. And also, I mean, sea level rise and (laughs) and not only what it's going to do to cities on the coastlines and and that damage, but island nations where an entire island is already suffering so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see climate refugees and and real cases of people who have to leave their home and and in some circumstances a home that their family has had for generations and move just the concept of how do you start over and find a new home and and being so dislocated from a place that is so essential to your family's history and your life but it's we're seeing the real consequences of it now yeah i used to be a a chemistry major and one of the most horrifying or uh, i guess alarming aspects of the oceans being a carbon sink to me is the idea of oversaturation right now we're seeing the oceans as uh, we alluded to earlier absorbing a lot of the carbon that we're emitting into the atmosphere but there's a critical point where the oceans the water can't absorb that carbon anymore, chemically speaking. When that happens, it'll fall all at once. We'll see a Mm -hmm. huge amount of carbon start to just be added straight into the atmosphere that the ocean won't be able to absorb anymore. Kind of like if you have an iced coffee, there's only so much sugar it can Mm -hmm. have in it. Uh, it can absorb and dissolve until <laughs> you have that really unpleasant just sugar grains sticking yeah. out in the iced coffee. You'll have those sugar grains in the atmosphere and they'll just be amplifying the effects of climate change and the greenhouse effect even more. And that's that's a future that I'm definitely not looking forward to. Yeah. So I guess let's take a step back maybe and talk about the actual effects that we've kind of been mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for instance, first, the oceans acting as a carbon sink, right? They have mm-hmm. been absorbing much of that carbon, which has been good for the atmosphere in a sense, because mm-hmm. we haven't experienced the amount of heating we would have with the amount of carbon we've emitted. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that is causing ocean acidification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as carbon goes into the water, the ocean acidifies. And that, mm-hmm. as you alluded, has mm-hmm. impacts for shellfish Mm -hmm. and creatures that live in the oceans right definitely and the second big problem is now coral bleaching Mm -hmm. so what does that means is a coral is a live organism but that Mm -hmm. is actually composed of millions of tiny little organisms that allow the coral to eat food Mm -hmm. but as temperatures warm those organisms die when they die the coral is unable to eat anymore Mm -hmm. and so that's when you see these beautiful coral reefs that used to be all colorful just completely bleached which Mm -hmm. means they're white Mm -hmm. and if the corals die the entire coral reef dies because Mm -hmm. smaller fish rely on the corals to eat and then bigger fish eat those 
you know, the right. whole food chain collapses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we see that at a mass scale, I mean, coral reefs are where life begun on this earth, on right. this planet. And so they are kind of the building blocks mm -hmm. underwater, hidden right. away that we don't really think about. Right. So that is really scary. And the worst part is, is even one heating event, so mm -hmm. one summer, can carry over bleaching events. And they don't go back, even if the temperatures right. reverse. And to, to extrapolate that out, they're almost like a canary in the coal mine. They're this like early warning signal of what possibly could happen to more ecosystems. And it's the same as what we would see in Costa Rica in the canopy forest. They were almost this canary in the coal mine because all of the plants there are relying on the atmosphere for nutrients. Mm -hmm. So they're going to feel those atmospheric changes more acutely than other plants that are rooted into the soil, like the tree itself. And so it's this other kind of trigger warning of this could happen to more ecosystems this right, is just the be beginning right yeah. so so that's kind of scary but even going beyond that to what we can tangibly see in the ocean is we see a lot of plastics now right and that's a huge issue and and so on top of that pollution though like you can physically see the plastic but what you don't see that goes into that is all this disposable plastic that we're making all of the energy and resources that go into that are also emitting carbon pollution it's so, a vicious cycle right so not only are we creating what these disposable pieces of plastic that we then throw away that end up in the ocean, but their actual creation is also impacting the ocean right. through the carbon emissions. We've heard a lot <laughs> about plastic, right? So you mm -hmm. shouldn't use single-use plastics because they mm -hmm. are polluting the oceans. And yeah, a lot of people turn around and go, well, but I'm not throwing my plastic in the oceans. Right. I'm throwing it in land and it's mm -hmm. going on a landfill. The problem is that they are sweeping through inland rivers and canals. Right. And the even bigger issue with plastic in the oceans is that plastics don't don't mm -hmm. decompose, but they break apart. Right, which creates and they smaller create, pieces yeah, of plastic. They create these <laughs> microplastics. Mm -hmm. And microplastics creates an even bigger problem because fish start mm -hmm. ingesting them. Mm -hmm. There's a, an amazing documentary that you all should check out it's called Plastic Ocean, in which scientists go out and they take samples of bigger fish mm -hmm. and dolphins and in their skin, and they actually find plastic particles yeah. in that skin, which means the fish that we end up eating contains plastic mm -hmm. polymers. Mm -hmm. So in a way, plastics aren't just killing life in the oceans, they're turning around and impacting yes. human health because polymers and plastics have been linked widely to right. cancer in human beings. And so that's what we're diving into with this episode is oceans, plastic pollution, all ties back to climate change. So today, to talk about this further, our guest is Daisy Kendrick. She is the founder of The Ocean Generation, which is an NGO dedicated to using the power of culture, music, gaming, technology to raise awareness about our oceans and empower communities on small island developing states through grassroots projects. Daisy is based in London, mm -hmm. and she's joining us today. Hi, Daisy. Hi, thank Daisy. you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So Ocean Generation is the organization that you founded, and your mission is to spread awareness and action on pollution on the oceans and send a strong message that younger generations want to really take action and save our oceans from climate change. Yeah, we're at a really interesting time, I think, and, and I think it's everywhere online at the moment where people are much more informed that 
plastic is really the death of our environment. So we are raising awareness using culture, so using gaming, mobile gaming, music, art to raise awareness, particularly among, uh, amongst millennials and Gen Z. But we're now also taking a more on-the-ground approach in terms of working on small island developing states that are most vulnerable to the threats of climate change and working with young people on these islands to support them with skills and educational resources for them to be able to deal with the changing climates that's happening very rapidly on islands. Right. So how do you see activism changing as younger generations like millennials or Gen Zers become more involved in the conversation? I think content is key. And I think that social media platforms have really changed the way activism works. Although now we're seeing through a lot of different movements, you know, things like Time's Up, etc., women's rights, that people are still going out on the streets and marching, but people are doing their own activities online through social media. So I think social media is playing a huge role, but we have to find content to engage new audiences in the climate topic because we've always had the people that care about oceans if they live by the oceans or if they're sailors or if they you know go on holiday by the beach they might care but we really need to engage everyone everywhere to say that you know this is a topic not just happening by the beach this will really affect you whether you're living in a city or not and I think social platforms I said are are really powerful in educating and getting that message across. Right. And I think the oceans have a specific challenge, which is the fact that we don't really see them. Like there's no way to see below the surface all of the things that are going on and the ways in which a changing climate is affecting so many species that we just don't see because they're below water. How do you think we can deal with that challenge and go beyond maybe through documentary filmmaking, which has been really powerful lately? Or how do we get that message across of like how pressing this issue is? Well, that's a question that I ask myself literally every single day when I wake up, you know, how can we get people to care and how can we get people to engage? Really, what we want to do is through content and through education is inspire behavioral changes. But that has to come from an individual level, from a consumer level, but also at a corporate level. And as you said, this topic is really as well out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, someone may care more about something that's more immediate to them. But the fact is, is that climate change is affecting all of us everywhere in the world. And so we really do need to wake up to that. And, you know, with that, we won't be able to support any more causes if there's no healthy planet for us to live on. The other thing as well, as I mentioned previously, you know, we're doing some stuff on small islands and working with communities that are affected really badly by climate change. For example, because of climate change, you know, there's more hurricanes, natural disasters, and more wind, etc. Sea levels are rising. People's homes are washing away today, right now. And we also need to remember that it's not just species underwater, but we as humans, populations, communities globally are really affected mm-hmm. by changing climates and oceans. So that as well, the people factor is something that Perhaps, and what what Ocean Generation is trying to do through its content and through its projects is also tell the people's story, hoping that perhaps if we humanize this topic and give this topic a face, it might also engage some more people. Right. I think that that is a huge, important piece of the puzzle, kind of sharing stories and narratives and, and a picture can tell a thousand words and getting that message out there. What do you action do you hope to inspire from putting that content on social media and on people's media platforms? What are your ideal next steps and more concrete actions to happen after that? 
So I guess that's another incredibly frustrating question that I ask myself every <laughs> yeah. day as well, because, you know, we want people to go beyond just liking and sharing something. Although there's a lot of controversy around that, my personal opinion is that does good, even liking mm-hmm. and sharing because you're educating and you're right. giving other people knowledge and knowledge is power. And I think that's key, you know, once you're knowledgeable about, you know, the effects of plastic or that the fact that it takes seven liters of water to make one plastic bottle, right then perhaps you will be more aware. So it's again, goes back to that behavior change. What we hope the next step people will take away from like some of the mobile games that we did at the beginning of last year and through our pictures and videos, etc., is that people will make a more conscious decision. But I think it goes back to that full cycle as well about, you know, corporations really have to step up to the key. We're seeing a lot of small startups that have some incredible innovations and those will be the future, but we need to see them at a mass scale we need to see an alternative to plastic being picked up by the likes of coca-cola or you know companies like unilever working really hard to innovate and doing research etc but i do really think that it comes down to the corporate level but we as consumers have the power to make conscious decisions and hopefully through content people will be more conscious about what they pick up what they buy who they buy from right that makes sense but even i feel like I find it very frustrating that even as people who are aware and conscious of the fact that plastics are polluting our oceans, and I think we've all heard about the statistic that by 2050, there'll be more plastic in the oceans than fish. And yet we are consumers too, and we go to the supermarket and it is plagued with plastic everywhere. Everything (laughs) is just packaged in plastic. Do you really see a feasible alternative that can kind of go and save us from this worst case scenario? Or are we like kind of past that point? I mean, you know, we are creatures, our environment, we are a society of convenience. And as you say, everything is wrapped in plastic. So we will just pick up that plastic packaging on the shelf. It's really cool to see well in London, and I know there's a couple in New York as well, and a few around the world in the Netherlands as well, that they're opening plastic free supermarkets or aisles. So it's kind of almost like going back in time, going back, you know, 50 years where you did used to go to the grocery store with your own jar or your own refill bottle, etc. And you know, if we think about it, plastic is something that we've had really for about 70 years. And the destruction that it's done is absolutely incredible. At the time, we thought that was a really marvelous innovation. But now we're seeing its consequences. But what I really hope is that someone somewhere is coming up with an alternative to plastic again that could be mass scale there's a really cool i'm sure you've seen it these like water balls yeah yeah water and um they're made out of algae membrane so you know if we can start making more innovations like that and get them on a mass scale then hopefully our children will have an option not to buy the plastic on the shelves but we do need to innovate and um, we need to do it fast right yeah Leveraging culture seems like really innovative concept to promote activism. I was just wondering how you came up with the idea. What's the history behind that? So when I started learning more about oceans and climate and um, the sustainable development agenda and, and how all the global goals the next 15 years really interconnect, climate change is underpinning the rest of the goals without a healthy planet none of the other goals will succeed and so from that I started to talk to to my peers and to friends and and different people about climate change and oceans and it seemed that in my social circle people weren't thinking about this people weren't aware right. mm-hmm. and when I started to look into other ocean organizations or NGOs and climate change I really felt there was a lack of content for my age for millennials gen z there was a lacking content and 
a lot of, for example, on social media, you know, there's a lot of pages with the same images with, you know, the turtle with the straw in, etc. And, and mm-hmm. you know, while those are horrifying, again, those pages are attracting the same audiences that already care in the marine conservation sphere so it really was that question of how can I open this topic up and how can I get you know on a when it started on a small scale my friends involved in caring about this cause right so we've seen a lot of uh, news recently about how social media can sort of be a bubble or a create echo chambers I'm wondering how you're circumventing that hurdle to reach out to those who might be outside of your immediate network those who don't necessarily see this activist environmental content on their newsfeed regularly well we've done a couple of projects where we've tried to bring this topic to new audiences on their terms Mm -hmm. so last year we did a partnership with angry birds and we launched a series of mini games educational games on the angry birds platform and so that essentially was you know not us going out and talking to people we packaged this educational message about plastics and oceans and conservation and climate change Mm -hmm. into a format that this audience already likes they're already playing games so we gamified this concept for them to be into and had a lot of hits and a lot of people engaging because they weren't going out of their way to then learn about this topic we were bringing it to them Mm -hmm. so that was cool we did the stuff with the gaming done some stuff with music as well we launched a my oceans campaign on youtube where we had different influencers and youtube artists do their versions of an ocean song that was created and joss stone was part of the the initial campaign and so again these influencers on youtube that have millions and millions of followers were now singing about oceans and environment and Mm so you know, there are millions of audience that normally tune in to listen to a version of Justin Bieber or Beyonce <laughs> or some song that they're replicating. They were singing about oceans and the environment. And so, again, we package the content in a format to appeal to existing audiences to so bring it to them on their terms. Right. That's awesome. What are some of the challenges you faced with first starting Um, So you had the idea, you wanted to start this organization. What were some of the challenges that you came across with kind of making it happen and now getting to this point where you've had multiple campaigns and you have multiple projects that you've successfully launched? (laughs) Well, quite a lot of challenges, really. And and starting your own thing is is tough and and definitely a constant learning curve because, you know, I started this when I was at university So I didn't really have much real world experience or, you know, running an NGO as well. Very regulated. There's a lot of hurdles. Um, I also really think that the NGO model really, really, really rapidly needs to develop and needs to evolve. And, you know, social entrepreneurship and things like that are definitely the way forward. Mm -hmm. So it was really kind of looking at what I had, the resources I had, the people that I knew and trying to knit and sew together something to make a difference and I was really lucky in the sense of coming across a lot of people that were willing to engage and and just really kind of knocking on people's doors and getting people involved and trying things out so that it was a huge learning curve and there's a lot of challenges but I think the biggest thing is just just go for it because if you're reserved and you don't then you'll never see what will happen so there's a lot of challenges but it's working out okay it's working out more than okay. <laughs> and so going forward, what what do you see as the future for Ocean Generation? What are the next projects that are kind of on your radar? So the future for OG is really kind of building out the media and content creation and starting creating our own content. 
but my passion and and some and an area of climate and oceans that I really feel is underwhelmingly served is actually working as I mentioned before with communities that are affected by climate change so our direction is very much people focused moving forward so working with those communities on island through education technology we hosted a hackathon um, at the beginning of the year for disaster relief so brought together in the Caribbean, in Antigua and Barbuda, tech people from the region and internationally to come up and develop solutions to help with climate change. That was hugely successful. So we're going to be replicating some more hackathons and tech events. And again, just, you know, fusing other audiences and and spheres together that wouldn't normally be interacting with this topic. So people, technology, and content creation. Yeah, so I'm ready to get involved. I'm sure a lot of our (laughs) listeners are excited to get more involved. What would your advice be to people who want to get more involved and make more of a difference but don't necessarily know how? Well, first of all, everyone follow at Ocean Generation on socials. (laughs) We post a lot of good daily content that has informative guides, etc. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, exactly, <laughs> that, you know, can help you as a, as a consumer and as an individual make more conscious decisions. I think, though, if you are already in the space and you are slightly knowledgeable, it's incredibly frustrating to keep reading the same articles of don't use a bottle, don't use a coffee cup, mm-hmm. don't use a straw, etc. It's very repetitive in this space right now, but unfortunately, there are challenges that are just not changing So it still needs to be drummed. And, you know, as you said, it's super easy to go somewhere and just pick up a coffee cup, pick up something in the supermarket, etc. So so it really is, you know, just for people to be more aware and more knowledgeable about their consumer habits. And then with Ocean Generation in particular, we're going to be expanding, as I said, our um, programs on the ground in the Caribbean, hopefully Mm -hmm. in the Pacific with people. So um, there might be ways to get involved soon. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> and so in your perfect world in your ideal world hopefully for our children what do the future of our oceans look like ah oh, that's such a beautiful <laughs> thought if the oceans could be cured i think one of the things would be to really for life to be put back into the oceans we've taken so much from the yeah. oceans the one you know the largest resource on the earth we've taken mm-hmm. so much from it and we really need to give back so it would have everything back in there would be no temperature rising and acidification and coral bleaching all the life would be there and obviously it would be plastic free great picture. we can only hope yeah, yeah. <laughs> great well daisy thank you so so much for being with us we hope to see you soon again either virtually or when you visit <laughs> the united states hopefully yes thank you so much for having me yeah thank you bye, bye. bye. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe on your favorite listening platform and follow us on Instagram at Cooler Earth. Stay tuned for next week's episode and thanks for listening. Stay cool.